Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 21 says this, He alone is your God, the only one who's worthy of your praise, the one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes, who's done these mighty miracles. God is a miracle-working God, and he wants to do that in your life too. Last week, we talked about God's miracle of deliverance and our fight against the forces of darkness. I would encourage you guys, if you didn't listen to that, it would be very helpful for you to go back to our podcast or on the website, someofyou.online, and go ahead and listen to that message because it's very important to know how do we combat the enemy that is coming so hard against our lives We talked about that last week, and this week we're going to be talking about something I think of all of us have desired before at one point or another. I promise you I have. Today, we're talking about God's miracle of provision, when God miraculously provides for us. You might be like most people, right, especially right now, that money can be tight, right? You guys, who's there with me? Money can be a little bit tight, nobody else having to pay for gas, just me, okay, Cool. I don't even have a, I have a Toyota Camry, and I hate it. <laughs> I, I like the car, whatever. Don't like the gas prices. Money can be tight. So maybe you're just like a single parent. Um, you're raising your kids on, uh, on a fixed, uh, you know, a limited income. You have multiple kids that you're raising. You got a little bit more month than you do money. You know what I mean? You're waiting for the next paycheck. Maybe you could even have a six-figure income and still be struggling when it comes to your money, your income's strong, but your expenses are high. You've got college debt. You've got medical bills. You've got insurance. You, your kids just have to have braces. You've got kids' activities. You're a travel ball parent. Where are you at? Probably not here. You're probably at travel ball. You're listening to this later. We're praying for you. Um, but money can be tight, right? No matter what we find ourselves in, our situations of life, a lot of times we find ourselves in that place. And I want you to know something that's really good news for you today is that you are not alone. If you find yourself in that spot today, you're not alone. There's so many countless examples in Scripture of those who feared that they didn't have enough. They feared like they they weren't going to make it. They wouldn't have enough. But here's the good news for you. That in every story of need, there is a miracle of provision. Over and over and over, every story that you read in the Bible, every story of need, there is a miracle of provision. Whether we're talking about in the Old Testament, there's this prophet named Elisha, and he's talking to this widow, and this widow, she's, she's scared for her life. She has nothing left. She literally says, I'm down to the last day. And Elisha said, you don't have to be scared for the future. Just bring me he said, what do you have? She said, I don't have much. I have a couple uh, open, like empty jars here. That, and he said, bring those and uh, bring your small jar of olive oil that you've got. And so this widow would just, she, she poured her, she started pouring this olive oil into all these jars. And as long as she had empty jars to pour into, the oil wouldn't stop flowing. God had a miraculous provision in her time of need that took care of her for the rest of her life. 
Maybe there's another story um, in, in the Old Testament that the, the Hebrew people, the Israelites, are they're, they're wandering in the desert and they, they're having trouble. They're not finding anything to eat. And God actually provides bread from heaven that falls down from heaven each and every night. Um, there's a story of the prophet Elijah. He's, he's, out on, he's down on his luck. He just ran for his life. He's down and depressed. And God provided him meat through ravens, brought him meat. There's a a giant fish that rescues a drowning man named Jonah. But in every story of need, there is a miracle of provision. It's good news for us because I find myself in need a lot, and you might be the, the same way. There's a story that I, that I heard one time. There's this elderly, elderly lady that she, she lived in this neighborhood. She was really well known for her faith and her boldness in talking about Jesus. And she would stand out on her front porch and she would holler, praise the Lord. Just so, you know, just at random times, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And next door to her lived this atheist that really could not stand this old lady. And he would get so mad. He'd get so angry with her that he would shout, she would shout, praise the Lord. He'd shout back, there is no Lord. And they'd go back and forth. And then hard times set on this elderly lady. And she prayed for God to send her some assistance. And so she stood on her porch and she shouted, praise the Lord. God, I need food. I'm having a hard time. Please, Lord, send me groceries. And then the neighbor thought he was going to catch her up. He, he overheard that, and so that, that night he went to the store, and he bought all these groceries, and while the lady was sleeping, he snuck them over, and he put them on her doorstep. And then the next, la- the next morning, this lady went out and found all those groceries there, and she shouted, praise the Lord. And this neighbor jumped from behind the bush, and he said, ha-ha, I told you there was no Lord. I bought these groceries for you. God didn't do it. And the lady started jumping up and down and clapping her hands so excited. She said, praise the Lord. He, the man got angry and said, what are you so excited about? I just told you I was the one that bought the groceries. And she said, the Lord provided and he made the devil pay the bill. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. As we break into today, let's focus on Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 this morning. It says this, and my God will meet, how much my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The good thing about that is that he's meeting our needs according to his riches and not our riches. He's meeting our needs according to what he has in abundance and he's going to meet all of our needs. God is the giver of all good things. God provides abundantly for his children. In fact, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. That, that doesn't matter if you are a Christian or a non-Christian, you're a believer, you're a non-believer, you're a Christian, you're a Muslim, you're an atheist, it doesn't matter. If you have a good gift that comes to you, a good thing that happens to you, it comes from God. It doesn't matter where you're at in life, every good and perfect gift comes from from God. I don't know what's happening behind me, but <laughs> something. Let me just say, I break into this. So I got over here today and I realized that last night the breaker must have flipped on us because that water was not warm. Like what is the use of a hot tub when you're getting into freezing cold water? I don't know. So uh, Blake and Grace are awake now. Um, y'all ain't going to fall asleep, are you? That was the whole point. Make sure you don't fall asleep during my message. 
I'm just kidding, but it was terrible. Anyway, back on track. It is important to notice, though, that God meets our needs, but not necessarily all of our wants. God meets our needs, not all the time does he meet our wants. There's a difference between what we want and what we need. See, we need clothes. We want these LeBrons, you know what I mean? Guys, come on, give me, some, give me something here. I didn't buy these for myself. Y'all don't put me on Instagram on no preachers and sneakers on Instagram. This is a birthday present. Don't even go there. But we need clothes, but we want the designer handbags or the Jordans. We need rest, but we want the vacation at the all-inclusive resort by the ocean. Somebody say amen. I feel myself going to preach this morning. I'm just kidding, y'all. We need shelter. But we want the granite countertops. We want the wood floors. We want that 4K TV and the three-car garage to fit my two cars in the boat that's still on its way. Somebody shout. There's a difference between what we need and what we want. But God will always supply our needs. So there's three principles I want us to, to look at this morning when we're talking about God's provision. Number one, it's important to know that when God guides... He always provides. When God guides, He always provides. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 11 says this, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. So the good news is no matter how barren it may look around us, no matter how dry life may look and our finances may look, God will provide for all of our needs even in the barren land, the sun-scorched land, the, the land of famine. He will still provide your needs and he won't stop there. He'll guide you. He'll guide you into good things. Sometimes... Side note, not my notes, sometimes you're praying for God to provide the thing and he's going to provide you the idea. He's going to provide you the wisdom, but it'll take a step from you to get there. But where God guides, he always provides. And God doesn't always provide for all of your dreams. What he does is he will always provide for his will. He'll always provide for his plans for your life. And so sometimes we find ourselves outside of God's will, outside of God's plan, and we're wondering what the heck is going on. But when we find ourselves lined up with God, when we find ourselves walking in his purpose for our lives, he's always going to provide for our needs. That sometimes the provision is found in the purpose. It's found in the placement where God wants us. Someone might think this morning that God's not coming through for me. What is happening? He's not coming through for me. I got this house payment. I got this car payment. I've gone on vacation. I'm still paying off the Christmas debt from 2019 on the credit cards. And we got to recognize this, that maybe God met your needs, but you ended up spending it on the wants. Sometimes we just have to reorder and reprioritize our checkbook in order to make sure that God's meeting our needs and we're prioritizing those first. See, his, his provision isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card for our stupid decisions. Sometimes we make dumb ones, right? I, uh, I put in an investment into AMC. I still am waiting for it to come back. I think I've lost money. Terrible idea. Don't know why I did it. But his provision isn't 
get out of jail free for our stupid decisions. The good news is here, though, that when God directs you, he provides for you. Wherever God guides, he provides. Here's an example from the Bible. So there's this man named Abraham. You guys have probably heard about him in some, you know, uh, little song or whatever. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. He actually didn't have all that many. He just, anyway, he had a lot of uh, descendants. But Abraham, if we remember the story of Abraham, more than anything else, Abraham wanted a son. He wanted someone to be able to carry down his bloodlines, and and God said that was going to happen. And so for years, he and his wife Sarah, they prayed and they prayed and they waited and they prayed and then they waited some more. And then finally, when they were at the ripe old age of like almost 100 years old, God finally gives them a son. And they're raising their son. They named him Isaac. And so they're raising him up and they're raising him up and in, 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 in living like God has told them to live and they're, they're doing everything that God's told them to do. And one day, God puts Abraham to the test. He said, take your son, take Isaac to the mountain and go sacrifice him. And, you know, times were a lot different then. Like, when God said to sacrifice something, that meant like, Sorry, y'all, if you've got kids out here. We've got a great kids' church back there. But that meant that someone was stabbing something, you know? Like God would sacri- they would sacrifice lambs, and, and they would stab it, and then they would burn it on the altar as a sacrifice to cover the sin of, of the people. And so God says, hey, Abraham, go take your son, and your, let your son be the sacrifice, which seems weird. So they're walking up this mountain, and, and, and Isaac, the little boy, said, Dad, where's the sacrifice? That's a good question. Genesis chapter 2, verse, or 22, verse 8, Abraham answered this, though. See, Abraham was a man that was filled with faith, that he knew that if God had guided him somewhere, he was going to provide what he needed when he was there. So ch- verse 8 says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb. And in fact, even before that, They were going up the mountain, and Abraham had a servant that said, Hey, where are you going? And Abraham responded, said, Me and the boy will return. He was a man that was filled with faith that God would provide for every need that he had. And so they reached the top of the mountain, and Abraham courageously obeys God, and he ties his son to the altar, and he raises the knife up in the air, and then an angel appears right at the right in the right moment, says, don't lay a hand on the boy. You proved yourself. Don't lay a hand on him. I know that you fear God. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 13 and 14, says that Abraham looked up at that moment, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. What a coincidence. He went over, he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son, So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And in the Hebrew, um, he named, in that that place, he called it Jehovah Jireh, which which means the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. No, no, sorry, y'all. It's it's Father's Day. I got to make a couple stupid jokes. Mm. All right, if you'll bow your heads with me and pray, I'll just let you out of here early. Just kidding. Y'all are stuck. Um, but, you know, I searched, 
I, okay, so I, when I was studying for this, I searched all over, and, and believe it or not, I was actually able to find a picture of Isaac as he and Abraham were coming down the mountain. Um, I'm just saying, could y'all imagine being Isaac? Like, you just drop me to that altar. That has nothing to do with the message. I just thought it was funny. But Abraham was living his life fixated on the will of God. He was fixed so heavily on the will of God that he was, he was willing to sacrifice his most treasured possession in life because he wanted so much to follow the will of God. He, but he focused on what God had given him. He focused on the life that God had given him. How much do we focus on our lack? Or how, how much do we fixate on what we don't have when we could be focused on everything that God's provided already and we're fixated on how much he hasn't yet? We're focused on what we don't have, but God consistently asks us, what do you have? Because a lot of times, that's where the miracle will happen. Just like the story that, we, that, that I told earlier about the, the, the old widow the prophet asked her, what do you have? You say you don't have much, what do you have? And the miracle happened in what she already possessed, what was already in her hands. If we pursue his will, his provision will follow. If you pursue God's will, his provision will follow. Remember, when God directs your steps, he always puts provision in your path. When God guides, he always provides. Number two, number two, God miraculously multiplies what is given. He multiplies what is given. See, sometimes God does it all. He, he sends a, a fish to save Jonah. He rains down heaven, uh, bread from heaven. But sometimes God wants to build your faith, and he invites you to be a part of the miracle. And the miracle happens on what is given on our part. So what does he do? He asks us to give. And then he multiplies what we've given. He asks us to give, to take part in it. And then he multiplies what we give. So when did God multiply, multiply the widow's oil? When she started pouring it. When did Abraham become the father of nations? After he offered his first and only son. God wants to multiply what is given. But I, I don't want this to come across as the, like a prosperity gospel. Um, like you don't, <laughs> you're not going to give $100 today and then walk out and, and find that BMW sitting in the parking lot for you. If anybody's getting a BMW, it's me, okay? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not with gas prices the way they are. But I don't want that to come across this way, but I, what I do want you to recognize what is very clear in Scripture, that God miraculous, miraculously multiplies what is given. It goes further than what we could do. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says this, This generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant toward you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Then, he multiplies the seed 
as you sow it. He supplies for your every need plus more. He multiplies the seed as you sow it. Another, ver- another version says it like this, that God gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower. So the ones that, that claim it as their own and they hoard everything that they've got, God's going to provide for the need. He's going to give bread to the eater But the ones that are generous and that want to give things away, God's giving seed to the sower. So sometimes when you have a need, you've got to sow a seed. Sometimes when you have a need, you've got to be a little generous with what you've got. And it sounds very counterintuitive. I don't have much, so you're telling me I should give more. That's the way that the kingdom of God works. I heard the old country preacher said, when you're down to nothing, God's up to something. Nope, okay, still didn't work in here. All right. (laughs) What you keep is all that you have, but what you give, God multiplies. If you keep it, it's all you've got. But when you give it, God multiplies. The principle goes all the way back to the tithe, all the way back to something called the tithe. Tithe means 10% um, short short explanation. This predates... uh, any of the Levitical law, if you guys know anything about the Bible here, I'm, I'm expecting it. some of you do because it's summer and you're at church today. So um, this predates the law, okay? And, and, and it actually continues into today. The first example of this tithe was actually 400 years prior to the Levitical law. So you have some people that will argue that, oh, no, we don't, have to, we don't tithe anymore because the tithe was part of the law that Moses gave on the, on the, on the stone, right? But that's not true. The, the tithe started before the law, 400 years before. It was actually Abraham that did it first, okay? And... and Jesus reaffirms it again in the New Testament as well. So the tithe is still a principle that, that we should be following as believers, right? And a tithe just means a tenth of all of our increase. So like, to put it plainly, and not, I'm not pressuring you guys, what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain to you this is what God says about it. These are some of the benefits, but it's up to you whether you want to or not. Okay, I'm not pressuring you guys to give here. I, I promise you. All this money's not going to me. Okay, it's just it's a spiritual principle. The tithe means a tenth, tenth of our increase. So every time that I get paid, I immediately give 10% back to God. And the way that I do it is through here at Summit View Church. So I'm returning to God 10% of what he trusts to me. That's the tithe, because it's his anyways, right? So, Scripture says that it belongs to him. So, what is the tithe? The tithe is when we return 10% of what he trusts to me. So, 10%, some of you guys are like, that sounds really crazy. It sounds steep. There's, there's one time, this is one time in the Bible that God says this. He says, put me to the test. The only time that you're going to find it in all of Scripture, God says, put me to the test. And see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing for you that you can't even um, contain it. But, but there's something much greater than just, just the money aspect. Guys, when we tithe, we're, we're, we're showing God that we trust him with everything. And you know what? It doesn't even have to be the tithe. When's the last time you paid for somebody's meal behind you? 
in line? When's the last time that you saw someone struggling on the side of the road and you just said, you know what? I only got a 20 on me. Here you go. Like, when's the last time that you were generous with what you had? Because maybe the place that you're struggling in right now would be solved when you begin to live a generous life because God gives bread to the eater, but he gives seed to the sower. When we give, he multiplies. I'll tell you my tithe story, and, and I just want to encourage you with this, okay? That, that my wife, Cassie, and I, we've been tithing for the entirety of our marriage, Ever since that was one of our that was one of our um, non negotiables when we got married, we have to tithe because it's a it's a spiritual principle. And so there were points though that like I didn't make much money. <laughs> like to to I worked I probably made I think I made I made minimum wage working at the Dollar General probably twenty hours a week. I didn't make much money. And there was a time in our lives, and I'm not saying this to brag, we were giving fifteen percent off of what we had, which seems crazy. But I'll tell you, there was never a time in this, in that part of our lives where, where, and there's never been a time since we've been married where we've gone without what we needed. Like you said, there's no way that I can do the 10%. Try something. Like, you don't feel like you can do 10? Test God with five. But I promise if you test him with the 10, he'll, it'll be the same results. Because we tested God with a 15%, and there was never a time where, honestly, I was not making enough that we should have been able to live on it. But God provided for every one of our needs. And here's the big picture with that, though. I don't want you to feel like this preacher's up here asking for my money on Father's Day. That's not what I'm doing. There's something deeper than that here, that, that God wants to change our hearts. God wants to change what's inside He doesn't care so much about your pocketbook. He wants to change your heart. The story of Abraham and Isaac that we saw. Did did Abraham have to sacrifice Isaac? Was that the only way? Well, God said it was. But but, but what God was doing, he was testing Abraham's heart to see if he was going to be able to give him everything in his life. That he wasn't going to be able to hold his most treasured possessions back. God doesn't need your 10%. Okay, this church doesn't need your 10%. But God knows that, that you're not going to be able to handle the weight of his calling on your life until you're willing to hold nothing back. God has a purpose for your life, but he wants to challenge you. You're never going to be able to sustain his calling as long as you have something that's holding you back. And, I, and, and God has instituted the tithe because that's usually the place that we hold back is our finances, our money, the generosity side of our lives. But God multiplies what is given. There's a story before, before we were ever even a, a church um, we had those big, the big freezes like a couple years back, you know, and the linemen all came in, and somehow, um, through one relationship and another, that we were able, we had the, the honor of being able to serve these linemen every single day, enough food for uh, three meals a day, we served them for, I think it was something like 10 days, right, something like that, it was like 10 days, and there was like 40 or 50 linemen that we'd have at some of these meals, and, uh, and we weren't even a church yet. So we, we, ha- we didn't have a bank account open. We didn't have any of this stuff happening. But what happened was the, 
that God's people, who he called to be part of this in the very early stages, we all came together and we, we pooled our money and we, we started buying these groceries. And we spent over $3,000 on food out of our own pockets to try to make sure that we could bless these linemen that were coming in. We wanted to, we wanted to make sure that we were putting our money where our mouth was, that we're going to be a radically generous church. And so we, 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 we spent so much money in that. But then right at, the, right at the end of that, before we even had a bank account opened, God provided a check for us for $12,000. We spent like three. And so everybody that had put their money in was able to, to, to get reimbursed, and we had money left over. And this big check, before we even had a bank account, we had to open up a bank account to put this check in. It was crazy. And, and many of these things that you see on this stage, the speakers, the TVs, Maybe not the hot tub, that came a little bit later. But all these things, many of these things that you see on here were bought because of that check. And I don't believe we would, have, we would not have seen that check if we didn't first trust God on the, on the front end and sow into what God was asking us to do. Because where God guides, he provides. And so we sowed in and God answered. And today, we're in a, we're in a great position as a church 100% debt free it doesn't sound like much but we don't have a single ounce of debt and and we have a decent sized bank account it's not all about the money but I'm trying to tell you that God's never going to leave you without he's not going to leave you without if you start living a generous life he's going to give you more to be generous with God multiplies what we give in every story of need there is a miracle of provision. And then finally, number three, I want you to know you might be part of God's miracle provision. You might be part of it. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 11 says this, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Guys, this is the true meaning of biblical prosperity, of having things provided for you. This is the true meaning right here that you can have enough so that you can be generous when you need when you want to. You can be able to give to good things when you want to. This is the meaning right here. When someone's praying for a miracle, more often than not, you will be the answer. Someone close to you praying for a miracle, Somebody in here, God might be calling you to be the answer to it. You have a part to play. God works relationally. That means that he chooses to work through people. Could he get it done other ways? Absolutely. But he chooses to work through people. He chooses to work through you because he sees the end from the beginning. He knows that, hey... If you're able to take part in this, if you're able to be an answer to someone's prayers, it might build your faith. Not only is it going to answer their need, it might build your faith. You might be part of God's miracle provision. There's this story about thousands of people that are hungry on a hillside in the Bible. And, and this is the only story that that is told in all four Gospels. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are all different tellings of the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus from four different people. And all four of these people thought that it was important enough to include this story, the only one in all of Scripture that is repeated in all four Gospels. Jesus and his disciples, they were teaching and they were healing people, and, and it got real late. And so the disciples, they, they said, okay, Jesus, is getting real late. Just go, go ahead and send them away so they can get home before it gets too dark. And Jesus said, no, keep them here. You feed them. You feed them. And, and the disciples said, but we only have five loaves and two fish. We have five loaves of bread and two fish. How are we going to feed all these people? The Bible said that there were, over, there were at least 5,000 men. And so, you know, us guys can eat. And they had five loaves of bread and two fish. And the Gospel of John tells us that it was a small boy that provided the loaves of bread and the fish. It was a small boy that walked up and handed what he had over. And so the disciples took this around and they handed out. They broke it up and they handed it out to all these people. And when they were done, there were 12 baskets full of food that were left over. I think it was because... Jesus wanted each of his disciples to take home a doggy bag. I don't know. Just the way I think. They had 12 baskets of food that were left over. And see, many people concentrate all this focus in this story on the miracle or the fact that Jesus silenced the doubt of his disciples. But what about the boy? What about the boy that gave what he had? The boy gave what he had and he gave it to the right source to make a difference. The boy took his bread and his fish and he put it in the hands of Jesus, the miracle maker. See, sometimes it's about what do you have? You don't have enough? What do you have? You have something? Put it in God's hands. Put it in God's hands because he can do something with it. Whether it's for you, whether it's for a loved one, the miracle happens when it was given. The boy gave what he had gave it to the right source, and Jesus was able to do so much more with it than the boy could ever do on his own. And this is why we trust God with our resources, with our time, with our talent, with our treasure. Guys, I don't have enough hours in the week to do what I do, but I try to stay generous with it because I feel like God can multiply the impact. You're probably the same as me. You said, I don't... I don't have an hour to sleep. Start giving God some of it. Start giving God some of your time. Start giving God some of the the gifts that he's blessed you with. Use it to make a difference. Use it to help somebody and see what happens. We have a God that can take our resources and multiply it 30, 60, 100 times further than we could ever do on our own. Let me tell you. 62 people to this point have found new life here at Summit View Church since October. That's a miracle. My good friend Blake and Grace, Blake was baptized this morning. He gave his heart to Jesus at this church. What about the mother that walked up to me and cried as she was talking about the Easter event because it was something that she'd never been able to afford for her family before or take her family to and we were giving it away. And she cried. She wept as she was thanking me. 
And I said, don't thank me. Thank the church. These things happened. Life change has happened. Because you chose God to let you be a part of the miracle. Because you gave, people's lives were changed. Because you volunteered your time, people's lives were changed. Because you held that door for somebody when they were walking in. You don't know what kind of impact that makes. God just doesn't want to do something for us. He wants to do something in us. So it's never about having, it's never about just having my needs met for the sake of having my needs met. It's so God can prove to me that he's faithful, that I can trust him more. You're in a position right now, if you're in a tight spot, you're in a great position because there's only one way out. But that one way is the only way that you need. You're praying for a miracle. I happen to know a miracle maker. Fear asks, what if I run out? Faith asks, what do I have to give? Fear says, I can't afford to give. Faith says, 90% with God's blessing is more than 100% without. Fear says, I don't have enough. Faith says, my God is more than enough. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And sometimes he's going to miraculously meet a need through you. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.